Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for January 13th, 2024. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. All right, and I've got the thing up to my head like I need to, and it appears it's on speaker just as well. Uh, this new system, our first show of 2024, and also welcome into the Kudzu Vine, Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. Yes, well, good to have y'all on in the new year. Happy New Year to you both, even though it's a little bit into it. Um, this is our first full show. We got a lot of topics, no guests because of how much we've got going on tonight. But we're going to start off not with the weather, which seems like that's the discussion du jour all across the country, even if you're talking about politics, sports, or just living life. Um, but we're going to talk about the House leadership and what's going on there with um, trying to get a budget resolution. Um, people know the long, sordid story of how much trouble Dan, um, I'm sorry, Mike McCarthy had with um, wrangling his leadership to the point where he was just put out of leadership. And then we went through several House votes, and finally they settled on a very, little-known representative from Louisiana named Mike Johnson. Uh, Mike Johnson seemed like a very different individual than the average American and the way he lived his life. It's more and more came out. But surprisingly, he, in recent um, days, seems to be like uh, wanting to have a budget deal come around, even if he has to work with Chuck Schumer, even if he has to work with other Democrats. And, of course... That's going to get you in trouble with a majority of um, the hardliners in the Republican Congress. Um, Catherine, what is your take on what's going on with this budget process? Because we know that the deal that they struck last year only really had a few weeks um, into the new year to go. Yeah, I think um, this is one of those examples of uh, leadership understanding the uh, complexities and needs to get things done and the uh, uh, outspoken opponents wanting, wanting, you know, to get the Democrats and not cooperate with the Democrats and not cooperate with the president. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how um, Leader Johnson is able since he doesn't have, uh, you know, a lot of experience in um, this leadership position. So we'll have to see what what comes up. Yes. And Catherine, you called him Leader Johnson. That may be a little bit of the problem. Oh. too. He was never a leader. He, went, he skipped from some subcommittee chair of something, you know, leadership uh, research caucus all the way to speaker. So he didn't have the seasoning that his uh, own Louisiana colleague, Steve Scalise, might have in this role. Uh, so even another problem there. Tim, what's your take on, uh, you know, what what's going to happen with Mike Johnson and his um, speakership? Well, I'm worried that what we're going to see is what we saw. And it's hard to believe now, but it's been just about a year ago that Kevin McCarthy went through 15 rounds and had to basically 
sell off all of his power in order to become speaker. And uh, that motion to vacate rule is still there every last time, first of all, in recent history that the government shut down, the public has blamed it, and rightly so, on the Republicans. Everyone now knows there's a deal. Everyone knows that spending bills originate in the House. Everyone knows uh, that the Republicans are the majority party and control the votes. But everyone also knows who's been voicing loud opposition to this or any deal. Those hardliners want their demands uh, met on the border and immigration. They, they don't want any discussion about it. And they want the speaker uh, to hold the line on it. And if necessary, go to the brink, go to the wall with this and, and shut it down. Uh, because the hardliners threat, uh, you know, they, they, they're threatening to oppose any deal, which means he would need Democratic votes. Uh, David, our own member of Congress, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene's already said she'll oppose any deal. What a shock, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and Tim, you bring up a few good things, uh, not least of which is immigration. And, and even though that wasn't a planned topic, I think we have to get into that at some point. But um, you mentioned that everyone knows, and I'll say this, everyone in the know knows that how that spending bills begin in the House, that um, Democrats uh, never take but, the blame in these deals because Democrats believe in government, want to keep government functioning. Republicans want to shrink it to the size that they can drown in a bathtub. And, and so, <laughs> therefore, uh, the question is, is, Let's start there is will this time be any different? And I will take y'all to the tweet I sent you from Rachel Bittenkoffer, who really is an astute political observer. She actually um, alluded to the fact that there may be some moderate Democrats willing to save, um, you know, Mike Johnson's speakership for a budget deal, you know, for a reason. And part of it, you know, was like, hey, it's good to keep government open, to keep government doing all these things. But she seemed to indicate that she thought for some reason that if the government shut down, Joe Biden might be blamed because he's been blamed for so many things in his presidency that he shouldn't have. So, Catherine, is Rachel on to anything that this will be different than the Clinton administration? This will be different than the Bush administration. This will be different than the Obama and Trump administrations. And this time a Democratic president, Democrats in Congress would take the blame. Um, I think that the media will spin it somehow to blame Biden uh, with, you know, pressure from whomever. Because it's an election year and it makes for good copy. Well, when you say the media, you know, Fox News... The Blaze, yeah, uh, all those characters. Yeah, I mean, they're going to tell you that, you know, Dr. Biden, the first lady's the devil incarnate. I mean, those people are always going to spin it. The MSNBCs of the world, they may spin it, you know, even more fair than for us. Yeah, but they may. get down to those middle voters that are persuaded by either a lack of real news, honestly, because a, <laughs> a lot of times they're low information voters, or they watch like the 
regular ABC, CBS, NBC newscast. How are those voters going to view it? Well, I think a lot of voters just blame everything on the president. They think the president has, you know, the ultimate power. And so they don't really understand how the government works. And because we don't have time or the attention for any kind of long form discussion or explanation of how things work, then it has to be in a new, it has to be in a, you know, 30 second report on, you know, between, you know, who wore the best dress at the Golden Globes and what's happening on the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Um, So you have to, you know, they have to squeeze it in there and it's hard to, it's hard to explain in 30 seconds or even in a minute, you know, what, or even three minutes. It's, it's a, it's complicated. The budget process is complicated. It sounds simple. We think it's, we understand it, but I don't think, I I, I don't think it's that easy to understand. Yeah. Tim, who's going to get blamed for this if the government were to shut down? Well, I, I've still got to uh, look at history, at, at recent history. And, you know, it, it, it's it, it, there's just facts there. People can say anything they want to, but there's facts. And, you know, the Republicans do control the purse strings right now. If they can't even pass anything out of the House to get it over to the Senate, I would certainly like to know how they're going to blame it on a president who can't do anything but sign or veto any bill that gets to him. Otherwise, he's just got to sit there. They've got a deal. They've already got a deal. It's been all over the news. They've got a deal. Uh, And, you know, either, you know, keep the government open or shut it down. It's on the House now. And it's on the Speaker of the House, who is a Republican, and it's on the Republicans who are in the majority in the House. You know, surely the average, I'm not talking about hardcore partisans here, but the average person can count, and they can count that there's more Republicans than Democrats, and they can see how a vote goes in the House. Uh, I'm I'm still thinking and very hopeful that there will be enough Republicans that will say, oh, enough of this. And I believe the Democrats will pitch in, too, and they'll get this thing passed. Or at least that's what I'm hoping will happen. Uh, but they, uh, I just don't see how they could blame this on Joe Biden. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even seem like it's, you know, in his purview, but... I do think there is a narrative where he's getting blamed for far more than he should have uh, Mm. or should. And so it'll be interesting to watch. Now, let's just talk about that. Tim, I know you probably already know. What's the magic date we're um, all looking towards here? Well, we got a week to go. We got a week to go. And then they're going to have to do something. Now, there's talk of doing a continuing resolution that'll carry us into March. Uh, That's probably. That's probably their their best bet right there. Uh, if if they can't if they can't get this deal through, then get a CR done, and and uh, you know kick the can down the road. They've done it a a lot of times, uh, especially in the last few years. But they got a week 
you know, to do something or we'll be uh, talking shutdown this time next week. Yeah, and, and let's mention that, you know, you talk about the um, the week and then if they move to March, if they move to March, odds are the Republican primary is going to be over. Now, we don't need to do our preview yet. Uh, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But if the preview's over, that means for all intents and purposes, Donald Trump's going to become the leader of not only the party, which he really has been since 2016, He's going to become the leader even of the House because this week it was reported that Mike Johnson reached out to him for approval on whatever deal. So, oh, my God. I didn't hear that. Yeah. It, oh, uh, geez. Th- I mean, it, it's he's so much in control of this process that I think that actually then complicates things in March because, you know, this is a guy that doesn't even oh. understand or respect process. Tim? Well, there, there, there are some in the house, you know, who are really grumbling <laughs> loudly, and there have been whispers about a motion to vacate. Now, who, who knows where that will go? We saw where it went uh, last year, and it wasn't to a good place. Uh, but like I said, at any rate, the speaker will need Democratic votes to pass the deal. I believe he'll get them, but. It must be noted here, and we haven't brought this up, but it needs to be brought up now, that when he became speaker, he listed himself as one of his prime goals when he was elected to have the ability of the Republicans to pass votes on their own. That's just not going to happen. He can't control his caucus. Uh, that much was never more evident than this week when, as you mentioned, he had to reduce himself to calling Donald Trump for support to try to put down a revolution right there in his caucus. That that he would be reduced to that is just sad, isn't it, guys? Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's showing to me that he is a stopgap measure. Um, I'm still not sure how he outmaneuvered uh, Steve Scalise, a Tom Emmer for this position. Um, it, to me, if they were going to go completely off the playbook, these you know hardliners would have gotten one of their own, a true firebrand. Um, but he's he's got the position. I guess you know the rest of his life he'll be former Speaker of the House, um, and time being he's Speaker of the House. But we'll see how this unfolds. Um, it is going to be interesting. He hadn't raised his profile as high as I thought he would have. Um, and so for good or bad, I mean, he's well, definitely well, not become the new Gingrich of the house. Well, think about this. He is the first genuine MAGA speaker of the house, a true believer, a, 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 a person who, uh, opposed even certifying the election of Joe Biden and he can't even control the hardliners. Where but are they yeah, going to go next? I, I'll tell you this. I don't know that he's a true MAGA because culturally he comes from a different <coughs> place. Um, now, he, he may be like, hey, I want to use this MAGA movement for my own goods. But this is this is a guy that comes out of more of that Pat Robertson, Bob Jones, even Mike Pence wing of the party that's all about 
cultural conservatism. Now, I think he knows that, you know, Donald Trump being president, he can use that to his social ends. But those MAGA types, they're different. They're a different animal. Um, I mean, honestly, he's probably more, you know, intellectual and educated than the average true MAGA person um, for whatever it's worth. But we're going to have more time to discuss Mike Johnson, like we hadn't talked about him enough, and the budget deal, because we're going to have to talk about that more because they can't get things like that done. But we'll get there. But let's do go back to this one issue of immigration, Tim. You brought that up, and that seems to be like the number one through ten issues for Republicans. I think there's a lot of Republicans out there that are more interested in immigration than the economy. Um, would you say that was a, a true statement for some, Tim? Yes, I would right now, especially that the economy is really going great guns. They're losing the economy as an issue. A year ago, the economy was a great issue for them. Now, not so much. But immigration is a go-to issue. Uh, okay. They, they look at it as a way to win. I, I, I don't even think they want a deal because they'd lose the issue. If they had right. a deal on immigration, they would lose immigration as an issue. Therefore, I think they just want to keep it going. Yeah, I absolutely and, agree with that. And that was Catherine. That was my question. You made you put a nice bow on it. So I'm going to tell you all this. I tell you what. I, I know that there are people that have actually talked about immigration. You know, trying to come up with some kind of deal. But to me, you kind of have to start with this kind of framework. And anybody that won't start with this framework. Is probably not a serious player. You know, it is good if people come to a new nation legally through the proper channels. And that's by a state that the Republicans agree with a little more. But that's that thing. But then another statement, not, oh, well, over 90% of the people seeking to enter our country are coming for the right reasons and want to do good. America is a nation of immigrants that's always welcomed immigrants every westernized nation every nation pretty much in the the um, northern hemisphere including nations in the southern hemisphere like australia and new zealand need more people they need because our population is shrinking all across not just america but so many industrialized nations like ours and then there are some negative elements about uh criminally uh, that, that plague, you know, some countries south of our border, not only Mexico, but further down that are not what those countries enjoy. And we don't want to have those elements come across anywhere. So uh, those are like five statements. And if someone's willing to not realize those statements, they're not really an honest broker, are they, Catherine? Uh, no, um, <clears throat> they are not. And I think the key issue here that is part of that is that we need people to do the work. I mean, just go to the grocery store, go to the, you know, convenience store, go to, you know, anywhere and there's nobody or try calling a bank or, or the IRS. I had a friend who was on the phone with the IRS for four hours the other day on hold for four hours. Um, so yeah, th these are all true and, uh, we have to figure it out. It has to, it's, it's complicated, but it has to be figured out. It's not, it's not a black and white 
there's a lot of gray areas in there that have to be negotiated and, and, uh, you know, figured out. Yeah. And, and Tim, I get the sense that there's a lot of Republicans that don't want to admit some of those issues. Like we need people. Most of the people like over 90% are going to be good, hardworking Americans, or at least, um, you know, American workers will say until they earn citizenship down the road. Yeah, but you know, uh, it's it's been this way for quite a while. But white nationalists dominate the Republican Party right now. Uh, th- these people want to keep white people in positions of power in this country as the as the dominant power in this country and they want to do it through means of legislation now that's why people like bannon have been so in steve bannon have been so important to donald trump and steve bannon is definitely a white nationalist i know that because steve bannon said he was one yeah so uh you you know and these people are are helping to write policy for Donald Trump. Uh, and and it, there, there's a white nationalist agenda. I mean, the, the majority of people coming, the great majority of people coming to this country are people of color, you know, Hispanic, Asian, others. And, uh, you know, I, I actually had a, a MAGA person tell me we got to do something or they're going to outnumber us. Well, I think that's kind of the way they feel. It, it's sad that it's that way, but I believe that is the overwhelmingly driving motivation beca- uh, behind this hard line. Pack with, they're with us. That they're taking with uh, the border. Yeah, I may have just lost a little sound, a little audio for a second. So hopefully everything was good. Um, yeah, it, it's it's what's it what's so sad for these people as misguided as they are is the numbers are going that way anyway worldwide throughout all the nations and, and the and the population probably if we're talking long term like decades from now after our lifetimes the nation the world's population is going to shrink. People are just having less kids, and it's happening first among people that are economically more well-off. And so if you're in the racial group that's in the haves in most of the world, it's going to happen for you first for whatever reason. And so deal with it. Get over it. It's just you're just not looking at facts. You're just all emotion and, and, and you know, hateful emotion at that. So misguided. Well, let's keep moving on because this is a big political weekend. But before we get into our predictions and what might happen Tuesday, other than some really nasty weather in Iowa, um, Ron DeSantis, I mean, he's had to know for a long time things are not going good for him. He has fallen as flat on his face as any candidate um, in a primary in quite some time. We can probably think through history, some people that had more hype that did less, but it's been a little while. But this week, Ron DeSantis turned on, in a way, 
He may have told the truth, but he still turned on an entity which has been very good to the DeSantis um, sideshow, if you will, and that would be Fox News. He made many statements critical of how they treat Donald Trump, but it's not like within the confines of Florida they didn't give Ron DeSantis the exact same treatment, and it's not like they didn't hold him up as the exemplary governor for the conservative um, you know, way of governing. Catherine, what did you make of Ron DeSantis making such critical comments of Fox News this past week? I suspect he was just trying to get some ink, just trying to be provocative. He's, he's you know, he's running out. He's, I mean, we'll see how the caucuses go, but I mean, it's, he's got to really improve his numbers if he's going to, if he can keep this up. I'm sure his, um, donors are going, Hey, wait a minute. I'm not giving you any more money until you show us some improvement in these numbers. And so I suspect it was, um, just to get some ink. Yeah. Although I don't know if it was good ink because it seems like the kind of folks that turn out to the Iowa caucus is probably think, um, that Fox news is the gold standard of news. I mean, they probably think Jesse, what is his name? Waters. They probably think he's a Walter Cronkite reincarnated. Um, you know, they're just, they're, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, Tim, your thoughts on Ron DeSantis' attack on Fox News? Well, on the surface, it makes no sense because, frankly, they've been pretty good to Ron DeSantis, too. Uh, I think he's just frustrated, as Catherine mentioned. He's losing badly for the first time in his life, and he simply doesn't know what to do, so he lashes out. Uh, truth is, as the ratings showed this week, the first love of Fox News viewers is Trump. Uh, but DeSantis has no complaint, guys. He he has appeared on Fox News four times this week himself. And it's probably thanks to that network, as much as anything else, that he's the governor of Florida. He used to come on there all the time when he was a member of Congress and defend Trump against the Mueller investigation and stuff like that. And that's how he was first noticed by Trump, who got behind him in his race for governor and he went from nowhere to being the governor down there. Uh, so I, I don't think he has any complaint coming. No. And, and honestly, you're not, you're, you're right about the way he, you know, won the nomination over Adam Putnam and that he won the 2018 governor's race, which was very, you know, kind of inexplicable, but was really a, it portended what was fixing to happen in Florida over the next few cycles. But this is a guy who was propped up as what a Republican governor should be. They could have picked um, Greg Abbott of Texas. They could have picked other governors around the country to hold up as like, you know, who they thought that, you know, all the rest of them should model themselves after. But they picked DeSantis by and large and covered what he did. And he got tons of attention. And then they even went as far to hold a debate um, between him and Gavin Newsom that was, uh, you know, something no one else was afforded in the Republican field as a way to, you know, I won't say help him to the, the um, you know, at the expense of the other candidates, but it certainly gave him a chance 
to have attention that no one else got, even Donald Trump, for that matter, on that evening. And they gave, you know, Sean Hannity as the um, moderator, if you will. That's I'm using that word loosely and did everything (laughs) they could. And yet, other than somehow paying Gavin Newsom to take a dive, which he didn't, Ron DeSantis just didn't deliver in that format, did he, Catherine? No, he did not. And that may be um, that may be part of DeSantis's uh, complaint with Fox News. Maybe he somewhere in his mind thinks that they contributed to his failure on that in that debate. Who knows what a man like that is thinking? <laughs> yeah. Um Tim, um, Ron DeSantis, I mean, he's just had, had a good time. Um, you know, just the other day, there was rumors that he uh, came to his wife in some type of line or a campaign event and shook her hand. And then yesterday well, he received a participation trophy. He just yeah, didn't it, catch a break, can he? It, 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 it was during a, a commercial break um, on, on the debate the other night. The uh, governor, Governor Reynolds, her husband, came up to shake his hand uh and and his wife came up with him he just went down the line shook all three of their hands i I don't know what he was what he what he was thinking there or if he was thinking but but that's basically what happened and i don't think he can catch a break because he can't make a break He, he has fallen flat on the national stage uh and you know he's just been overshadowed by others and uh He's uh he's he's on life support, guys. We we may not even be talking about him as a candidate a week from now. I don't know, but we may not. Yeah, he, yeah, he, but he, he doesn't seem relatable on a personal level. Catherine. No. Yeah, he made that bed. I'm not feeling sorry for him. Like, there you go. He's he's a despicable human. So yeah, know, he he deserves it. Yeah, I, I I'll be honest. I bet if we could, fig, you know, hook him up to a lie detector, he probably believes the majority of what he says and what he's done. But I think there's a decent percentage that he truly doesn't believe in, but he did it anyway to score political points. And in a lot of ways, that's more reprehensible. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, th- I think he's, you know, George Wallace, they say that he really, I mean, and this is no defense of him, he was personally not as racist as his policies and his speeches were, but he used it to, um, you know, get ahead politically. I think Ron DeSantis has done that very much with, um, uh, you know, gay and lesbian folks. And, and, and that's that's worse in a lot of ways um, because, you know, better and you just don't. And so now, um, you know, I don't even know if people seem through it. They just don't like him. Um, you know, that's just all there is to it. Well, let's get into this debate. And that'll be the last topic of the evening. Um, and, and we're going to not, I'm sorry, not the debate, the Iowa caucuses. Now I remember the Iowa caucuses being this major deal. Um, you used to have, of course, both parties might be participating. Although if one party had an incumbent, it wasn't going to be very interesting anyway. Now you just have the Republicans, although once again, the Democrats, for all intents and purposes, you know, is not going to be a really exciting primary season um, with two people that don't appear to have 
um, any real juice against uh, incumbent President Joe Biden. So we just have the um, Republican side. But it feels like we have an incumbent on both sides this time. So now we have a primary field of, I guess, five candidates. And we're not, I mean, people that have actually held office somewhere. And that would be Asa Hutchinson, Vivek Ramaswamy, and he didn't hold office, but he's written a book or something. Uh, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and Donald Trump. Is there any other significant players <coughs> I'm missing, Tim? Uh, the, the significant player is Donald Trump, guys. Let, let, well, let's, okay. let's just say it. <laughs> that, that that that's where we are, right? Yeah. I, well, Tim, I'm never going to get my payoff from the uh, Hutchinson campaign for being the only uh, <laughs> political show to call him relevant. Yeah, you know, I was trying to, you know, not yeah, seriously. I'm not, not going to say. So I, I, yep, I'm not going to say Ramaswamy. I'm <laughs> not going there. Okay, oh, I just well, can't use. That, well, yeah, if if eight percent is in the mix, he's in the mix. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So, so I mean, we can just cut all these other characters out. I mean, that'll shorten our discussion. And I already said it feels like it's a you know we've got an incumbent running in Donald Trump. Um, Tim, I, I mean, well, oh, well, I mean, look at what the poll is telling us. Uh, and, and they're showing Trump with, um, what, 48% in one poll, uh, 54% in another poll, 55% in another poll, and everybody else at 20 or below. But the big movement has not been Trump. He's been sitting right there the whole time. Uh DeSantis may finish third in Iowa, David. And and if he does, he, he's going to have to drop out. Wouldn't you agree with that? I, I would. I would have already dropped out, but he, he apparently didn't get um, the Scott Walker playbook. Because um, <laughs> Scott Walker, you know, he fizzled like this, but he didn't, you know, continue on the indignities for month after month. Well, um, well, what do you think? I, I, I really think both DeSantis and Haley have been hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, hoping to set themselves up as the alternative for those who do not wish to vote for Donald Trump, and they're going to have to outlast the others to do it. Uh, and, and we should get our answer tomorrow night. If DeSantis doesn't finish second, then it's Nikki Haley who has been closing on Trump in New Hampshire. She's been picking up, as you uh, shared with us just today, some very important endorsements. And uh, this this could really be the end of the little general from Florida (laughs) uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, Catherine, you actually shared the stories about uh, the endorsements that Nikki Haley picked up. So I'll let you tell us about those. But at the same time, I got a question for you. I've heard the playbook, which is just really because I think the media wants a horse race. The Republicans that 
don't support Trump that hadn't left the party want somebody else too. And it's Nikki Haley has to finish second, and I guess second by several points to where she's clearly second place. Then she has to go to New Hampshire and almost win. If she doesn't win, she's got to come super close. And then she gets to extend this thing out a little longer. With the endorsement she got today, or how much can that help in it, can she follow that playbook? Well, I didn't know that I forwarded you something with the endorsement, so I apologize. I don't think I read that. But um, I think she's the only hope for those uh, Republicans who don't want to vote for Trump. But I'm not sure she can even hang hang on because if Trump, it, it really depends on how well Trump does in Iowa. You know, if he gets, if, if Nick, if everybody else comes in, you know, in the lower single digits, like between five and 8%, then Trump's just going to be, um, he's, there's not going to be enough support for Haley. They're just, you know, people are just going to be like, yeah, there's no hope here. And so then it's just going to be Trump and Biden. I think a lot depends on how, um, how they do in Iowa, like how the weather is and how many people come out and what the percentages look like. Um, and at that point, New Hampshire may not matter. Yeah. Um, Catherine, you had me, I thought you had sent the article about Larry Hogan endorsing her and then him oh, leaving right. the no labels movement. That's right. Larry yeah. Hogan. So yeah, yeah, but of course, who cares? nobody knows who Larry Hogan is. No labels. Yeah. Is, no la- yeah I know who he is, but, um, yeah. but, um, but, you know, no labels has never been able to get really off the ground much. They're just sort of the wine ear caucus. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that that really helped. I mean, it might help her a little bit, but not not to the degree that that it will make much of a difference. That's I mean, I just feel like there's no um, there's no stopping Trump at this point. I mean. There are those people that don't want to vote for him, but the people who support him, his base, are much bigger and much louder and much more um, uh, willing to, you know, make a lot of noise than the people who are hesitant about him. Yeah, Tim, I also read something today that, um, and the polling kind of showed this, that Democrats, because they don't have a caucus to go to, um, I don't know when the Democratic caucus will even happen or if it'll be a primary or whatever, but it's not even going to be that, you know, substantial this time. Anyway, they may decide to caucus in the Republican caucus and by and large, they're supporting Nikki Haley. Could Democrats that just want to get involved um, have any real impact in this thing? Well, you know, I thought, that you had to be a registered yeah, Republican me too. Yeah. to caucus in the Republican Party. So they'd have to switch their party registration, I think, to do it. Now, up in New Hampshire, uh, independents can can vote in the Republican primary, which is going to make things very different. But in Iowa, right now, the problem is that a, that a majority of the vote is evangelical Christians, and by m- wide margin, they are supporting Donald Trump. And he's going to win Iowa if his voters show up, and as we have seen, his voters show up, right. even in the worst weather, which 
obviously they're gonna have. I think it's gonna the high tomorrow there is zero or something like that. Uh, but but his voters show up to vote. He's gonna win Iowa. And he's gonna win it handily, uh, un, un, unless you know there's an alternate universe that that takes its place tomorrow. Uh, the question is, who's gonna finish second? Nikki Haley's plan: finish second, knock DeSantis out, go to New Hampshire, upset Trump next week. That provides a reset and hopefully a protracted fight. That's her plan. We'll see how how that works. But if Trump wins this week and next week, it's over. Game over. That's it. Yeah, I I, I think uh, you know Tuesday. Um, he's going to win by a margin that makes it look like a wild card game so far this weekend, you know, three, four touchdowns. I mean, that's, you know, close to 30 points at least. Um, how much of impact do y'all think the weather might actually play? Um, because apparently it's going to be bitterly cold, so you're going to have to want to get out in it. But, and Catherine, I'm going to let you speak to this because you've suffered through Michigan winters. Tim and I have suffered through Georgia winners. And, you know, if it got to zero, both of us would be saying, forget this nonsense. But that's more like a 32-degree day up there, right? Yeah. And, and you know, I, I don't know if you remember watching the Iowa caucuses over the years. People go out in the cold. They go out. But I think Tim makes it <coughs> – excuse me. Tim makes a good point that the – Mega voters definitely will go out. So I think that bad weather is probably going to hurt Nikki Haley more than it hurts Trump. Like, I can imagine people who are like, yeah, Nikki Haley's all right. I don't like Trump, but, you know, I'm sitting here in my living room with my blanket and my dog and my fire in the fireplace. I think I'm going to skip the caucus. So, uh, I think that I think bad weather hurts Nikki Haley. Cold yeah, weather. and I, I did hear this speculation that Ron DeSantis has built the deepest organization. He has some of the network of the governor there, Kim Reynolds. Um, and therefore, with the bad weather could theoretically help him and he could exceed expectations and finish second ahead of Haley. Um how much benefit do you think this organizational edge, supposedly, that uh, Ron DeSantis has will materialize? I think Him. the key word okay. there is supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe right. <laughs> yeah. Tim? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, we're, we're laughing about it, but I think she's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know he has built an organization. He is hoping for a low turnout in the belief that he's going to get his voters out there. I'm telling you, those Trump voters are coming. They're going yeah. to be there. They, w- they will walk across broken glass. They're not going to let weather stop them. And historically, the voters in Iowa do not let the weather stop them either. Tomorrow night, they're going to be out there voting. And I believe by 15 minutes till 9 or somewhere along in there, we're going to know uh, the answers to just about everything. We're, we're going to know how big a margin Trump has won by. 
and we're going to know uh, whether Ron DeSantis has a future and whether Nikki Haley really has caught fire as the opinion polls, including the very famous uh, Des Moines Register poll that came out just yesterday, uh, are saying. We're going to have all of our answers tomorrow. Yeah, and I don't even know if it said it's caught fire, just that you're second place and still a distant second to Donald Trump. Um, that poll was not really that interesting as far as that top line number. i tell you what told me the story about how uneventful this Iowa caucus may be. I was watching the um, uh, Dallas Green Bay football game, and unfortunately they advertised for Fox News when the game is on regular Fox television. And they said, and it was that Brett Baird and Martha McCallum who are just just not head and shoulders worse than like, Steve Kornacki and John King on MSNBC and CNN, respectively. Um, I mean, I'm talking about math here. I'm not talking about opinions, just breaking down numbers. They're just not even interesting at math. And so they talked about how see our coverage of the Iowa caucuses at 10. And I was like, at 10? Uh, the Iowa caucuses, y'all can start covering that stuff at seven if you wanted to. Y'all can go around to gyms and, you know, yeah. church basements and everything else and get coverage. But you must not think anybody's going to turn into this thing if you're not even promoting it till 10 o'clock. Tim, I don't know if well, you were watching that same football game, Catherine. You might not have been. Or might have been I, I was. What's your thought about that? I was, and I, and I saw it. And don't worry, I'll be watching C-SPAN, who'll be covering it at several locations <laughs> around the state. They do a better job of it than anyone else. Yep. Yep. And uh, it sounds to me like Fox is preparing to do a either a post-mortem or a wrap-up show, however you would like to uh, address it, guys. It, it, either one of those things, that's what Fox is preparing to do. Well, and you, but you would think they need eyeballs. They want people to just tune in at, you know, if they wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning and when they go to bed at, 11 o'clock at night they've just listened to whatever Fox News in particular and and, and, but they're promoting this big thing that might get them a a 10 o'clock 8 o'clock viewers 9 o'clock viewers because you know this is the Republican ball game uh, and they're not promoting very well they're not going to break in on Hannity's show yeah that's the thing yeah they're not gonna we think this is important but you know, people everywhere but Iowa, you know, don't really care about it. Yeah, but the average person that chooses not to watch a network uh, with regular programming, that chooses, I mean, chooses not to watch something stream, chooses not to read a book or do whatever else you could do, um, they, they're the kind of folks that, you know, follow political coverage. And so it just seemed, it seemed to me like if this was going to be a much closer race, if this was the 2016 Republican um, Iowa caucus, I bet they came home about eight or nine o'clock. And, and, and Hannity may have been, you know, a whole hour of that coverage, um, you know, given his opinions. Um, but, you know, I just, I just thought that was a telltale sign about how uneventful this thing's going to be. Um, and Donald Trump's going to win wire to wire. He's probably never going to, unless they report, you know, 
12 people at some town that no one outside Iowa's ever heard of. But once they report, you know, a thousand delegates or a thousand voters or whatever, Donald Trump's going to lead this thing wire to wire. That's my opinion. Yeah, but don't you think the story really is who finishes second? Yeah, that's the story. I do, which is the uh, sad state of affairs for what's going on, because when his second place ever really mattered that much, especially a second place where you're going to be 30 points behind um, or more. So um, that's just trying to get them to prop it up a little further. But then if, let's say, Nikki Haley does get second in Iowa, she's got to really close that gap in New Hampshire for it to mean something. If she loses then New Hampshire by another 25, 30 plus points, then she's done even with two second place finishes, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, she is. She can't lose big in New Hampshire. She's got to get really close. Really, she needs to win there. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, and I know our, our, you know, what we're thinking, because we've talked about it before, is she's got to get close and then keep in the race, and then she's got to be close enough for Donald Trump to go scorched earth on her to where she says he says something so bad that he turns off more voters from the Republican base and possibly turns her off so bad that she's done with him and, you know, announces she won't vote for him in the general election, um, which, I mean, knowing the things he said, I mean, he did that to the 2008 nominee. He turned him and his whole family against the Republican Party. Um, so, you know, Donald Trump has that capability, um, but we shall see. Well, been an interesting show tonight where we have covered a lot of topics with no guests. We'll plan to be back every Sunday, pretty much in the next foreseeable future. And we'll start getting back to guests in the near future. But until then, it's been the Kudzu Vine. Good night. Good night, Good night everybody.